This is Brian Bailey from Charlottesville, Virginia, and I'm joined with Mark Sweeney from Windermere, Florida. We are your guides to this episode of In the Hunt. We are going to bring clarity to this complex game of golf and help you reach your next level of performance. So if you're ready to step up your game, join us on the hunt. Yeah, excited uh, to, to bring a new uh, episode to you. Um, we've had a busy couple weeks here at GameForge. We've got a bunch of webinars going on. Um, we've had just a lot of pieces moving. So uh, we were able to get the last podcast out we did uh, for the Women's Day at Golf. Uh, we sent out a copy of that, but Mark and I wanted to jump back in here. A uh, really big video or episode we shot last time was we talked about putting and what it takes to move. So we're going to talk about what it takes to move with short game. Again, it's kind of moving from the green out. We'll do an approach one and, and we'll do a fairways one too. It'll be just like us saying, yeah, um, hit eight fairways. and We'll just end it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, we'll do a fairway one in the future as well. But uh, let's go ahead and introduce Mark Sweeney and uh, see how see what he's up to. Yep, I'm still here. Same, same old deal. Been uh, teaching a lot last couple of weeks. A lot, a lot of people coming in for lessons. To, all junior tournaments kicking off. Been fighting the rain in Florida. We've had rain every single day by noon for like two or three weeks. We had two tornadoes in my town yesterday. Both caught on video. So nice. <laughs> I hope it's far enough away from your house that you didn't get a up close and personal view of it. No, I didn't see it. Thank goodness. I'm, I'm afraid of tornadoes. Yeah, I don't like those either. That's why I'll never Scarred live as a in the kid Midwest. watching Dorothy. I will never live in the Midwest because of that. <laughs> I'd rather have a hurricane. I see it coming and I can react to it. I got days. Hurricanes don't bother me at all. I think I've been through more than 10 hurricanes here and we've never lost a branch. You know, they're always overblown how serious they say they're going to be. And by the time they get to Orlando, there's just nothing. They just, they whimper out by the time they get here. Well, yeah. Well, you have the protection of the mouse, so that's really there's some. Yes, yeah, the the rat, Disney the somehow locally <laughs> they move it around somehow. It's spectacular. Um, <laughs> so, so today we're going to kind of do what we did last time. We're going to talk about a higher handicap player and trying to move expectations as they get um, to become a better uh, scrambler. So we're we're going to look kind of take you through that progression and kind of give you some thoughts about how to train uh, throughout that progression. Uh, when P6 is the most important, when scrambling needs to grow way past your P6. Uh, and just, again, kind of that progression of what's actually happening. So uh, so we'll start with a really high handicapper. So someone like a Mark Sweeney. I've seen yeah. a short game. He's a high handicapper. With no short game. game at all. Uh, so, Mark, if you're uh, looking to bring that handicapper, you know, if you're looking at being a, you know, a 10 to 15 over par player, and you're kind of looking at what that would take. What are those expectations? Where is that player at? Um, and for us, actual expectations of short game. Uh, well, short game, I mean, the big thing is they're just not hitting many greens at all. Um, and so, you know, if you don't hit a lot of greens, you're going you're gonna to make a lot of bogeys. Like, like it or not, if you're 10 to 15 over par player, you're going to be making six to eight bogeys per round. Um, and a lot of that is just driven by the fact that you're missing greens. And so one of the first things you can do is obviously everybody knows this, try to hit more greens. But in the meanwhile, uh, they're, they're P6, so their scrambling proximities are, are pretty low. They tend to be down to that kind of 20% range, I believe, is the number, kind of 10 to 20%. And so their scrambling is also down in kind of the 20% range. Um, and so, you know, I don't know about you, but I know the high handicaps I see, or I have seen or that I know, spend zero time on the greenside wedges. Like, I mean, zero. Um, I don't know, they may be taking a lesson here or there, but, but they're usually more concerned about 
T-balls in the water, which is a problem for sure. Um, but more worried about that than they are with, uh, with greenside wedges kind of, you know, 10, 20 yards out, just trying to get it closer on the green. So I think that's kind of the first order of business. Yeah. Well, that's a great recipe for making bogey, right? Miss, you know, miss 11 greens and only get up and down 10, 20% of the time. That yeah. is a great recipe for making a lot of bogeys. It works, it uh, works every time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. What I kind of see too is I, I do a lot of short game work and, you know, really high handicappers. I think the main two areas we just talked about was, you know, the ability to get it up and down, missing a bunch of greens and that noise factor, that, uh, that big number hitting it, you know, not controlling the golf ball. So I, I think short game really out the gate for higher handicappers is one is ball striking has to become better. Um, we've got to learn to somehow to take this, to suck the bat out of the system, the big numbers. Um, Cause roughly most, most high handicappers, their noise, which is doubles and extra stuff and bogeys really kind of mirror each other. So they're both, there's like a two prong problem. Well, yeah. three, they don't make birdies, but the two main prongs is they're making too many bogeys and they're making big numbers. So, Learning to control by hitting the golf ball is a big help. But I also see a lot of, like Mark said, there's not a lot of training. And I think there's a large disconnect on understanding on what a good short game is. And actually, we're not going to talk technique on the show, but understanding how to move the club. Oh, I'm going to sucker you into some of that, I think. I'm not going to fall for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but, but understanding that there's a, there's a technique piece. Um, if you read the golf magazines, they really, design, they really set you up to fail around the green. Um, so I think a lot of times high handicappers due to the fact that they need to hit more greens and things like that, but you know, 20% up and downs or P sixes. So if we drop 10 balls around the green, what does that really mean? If I drop 10 balls, roughly, let's say two of them on the fringe, uh, two of them 10 to 20, uh, two of them 20 to 30, and then just kind of spread a couple more out in between that. We would expect, you know, the, the high handicappers only putting about one of those inside of six feet, maybe two. Um, so you can see not nearly proficient enough to be a good short game player. Um, and then you aspirate that by because they missed 10 greens, um, you know. So to me, the technique and all that is important for sh and short game is important, but it's not really the big fish for high handicappers. So my really high handicappers, when they come and ask me for a lesson, and I'm kind of a dork this way. I tell them to go get a better full swing coach. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then as once a you short start game coach would say, <laughs> yeah, as a short game, go get a better full swing coach. And then once you start hitting more greens and you got to get a little more proficient, come and see, and you know, the full swing coach is saying you need a better short game coach, right? Well, I can look at them and say, trust me, if you're only hitting six, seven greens, you need a new full swing coach. or you need a coach. Right. Any coach. Um, so I, I think really in the beginning for the high, really high handicapper, I think learning to hit the ball better is money well spent. Uh, more so than learning around the short game. Because if you can hit more greens, you immediately become a better short game player. Uh, yeah, and, and less opportunities. And strategy-wise, that's just hit, go for the middle of green every single time. Yeah. Right? I mean, exactly. just get on the green versus in the rough or the bunker. That's where right. They, uh, you can bogey almost every time from. Yeah, in Game Forge, we talk about IPs 20 feet and in, and then EGs 20 to 40. Um, higher handicappers, and again, that 20 to 40 – you're more likely you know, to hit more greens at 20 to 40. So kind of expanding that circle and making sure you can kind of attack that and work your way down. Um, so now, now we got a high handicap and now we're kind of getting somebody in the mid handicaps. We're getting somebody, you know, around five, six over, you know, maybe four to seven over somewhere in that ballpark. So now they're, they're, the birdies are starting to creep up. You know, they're getting closer to two birdies per round. 
Um, Bogey-wise, they're looking, you know, probably around five or so bogeys per round. You know, they're getting a little bit of crazy double noise here and there. Um, but we're, de- we're starting to see kind of the change in the player. Now they're becoming more offensive. They're making birdies. They're actually – scrambling is now an important piece because now they're getting up over 10 greens. So now they're kind of that double digit of greens. So, so what does that kind of look like, Mark? And then what are some suggestions on what to work on there? Well, and, and to keep things realistic, I mean, if you're hitting 10 greens, you're missing eight, and even really good players are going to make four bogeys on eight missed greens. Just a, just a fact. Um, you know, their P6s, let's see where their P6s by that range are getting up to about 40%. So they're almost double uh, the one we just looked at. So they're definitely improving with their, with their uh, proximities with their wedges and their scrambling is pretty much matching exactly what their P6s. So they're kind of scrambling at 40%, P6ing at 40%. Um, they're working their way up to where we want them, believe it or not, which is only about 50, 50, 55% is kind of the highest level of golf. Um, but the thing there, I think that they need to start learning is being more consistent from all different lies, you know, not just chipping from the fringe and not just hitting an okay bunker shot, but suddenly they've got a number of different lies and a number of different distances, and they still have to be delivering that P6 number, you know, 25 yards out in the rough. Um, you know, uh, 15 yards in a bunker, chipping 40 feet across the green, things like that, um, which is not happening at the higher handicap level. So it's really, I think, generating more consistency with different lie conditions uh, around the green when they're missing, even though they're missing fewer greens. Yeah, and I think the most fascinating part, and this is for any coach that's listening to this, any junior parent or even a junior, understanding how important P6 is and to driving your scrambling. So as a higher handicap, we just talked about, you know, they're looking at about a 20, let's call it a 20% up and down rate or a P6 rate. And their actual scramble number actually equals that or maybe be a little bit below it. So in the showing that they're not very proficient at putting either. Once we get to um, kind of this lower handicap, but kind of a, you know, right around four to seven, that player is now the, their actual scrambling is actually right at P6. So what does that mean? So that doesn't mean that, you know, every time they hit at P6, they make a par. No, that means when they hit at P6, they're converting at a high rate of six foot, maybe 70 to 80%, and they're picking up an extra putt somewhere else that's allowing them to equal out and have that same number. And we really see this number now where the P6 and the actual scramble number really mirror each other until we really get to par better. So kind of what's, what is a good plan for, you know, what is my goal as a mid handicapper trying to become a scratch player is understanding that my P6 and my scramble rate are really going to mirror each other until I really get to about even. And there, there's going to have to be a separation. I'm going to have to make extra putts. Um, so to me, these is, this is probably my favorite group to work with. Um, so they're, they're starting to get to the point where they're actually hitting greens they're having success they're making putts because they saw Mark Sweeney. They learned aim point. Uh, they're much better putters now. <laughs> now they kind of come to me and go, I, I want to become better at short game. So this is where you can actually start to teach them, uh, how to, how to be a short game player. And it's a, it's completely different than I think most people have been taught. I think it's completely different than what most people read. Um, so understanding uh, my, my favorite challenge to anybody is go to YouTube, look at your favorite player, whoever that is on any tour, um, call them up and watch them hit, you know, say player X, Adam Scott chipping, go watch videos and YouTube of him chipping and tell me if he's doing the same thing that the golf magazines tell you to chip it. Uh, it'd be fascinating um so i think a lot of what you know the the danger of um what people 
think is right or think they're doing inside a short game and what should be done, I think is a big polar opposite. And we can talk, we can dig into that a little bit deeper if we want later. Um, but understanding that. Oh, I want to dig into it now. No, dig into it now. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> why not? Um, well, well so, I'll tell you why, because this is just, I'm just thinking back, you know, when I started, I started playing golf very late. I think I was almost 30 by the time I mid, mid twenties, late twenties before I really started playing golf. And, um, Really, all I knew about short game was stuff you read in the magazine, and the classic chipping is lean the shaft forward, blah blah blah. And you know, suddenly you come to Florida and you're chipping uphill on Bermuda grass, and you do that and you knife it in, you know, and you dig up this trench of Bermuda grass in front of you. And I had no freaking idea how to deal with that um, because you know nobody ever talked about the bounce and how to use bounce and how to do things like that. What do you think the biggest um, problem is as far as you know your your magazine articles? you know, hurting people to learn how to do short game. Um, what do you think was the concept that causes the most damages? I think the concept that causes the most damages is the players tend to use all arms. Um, so if you lean the shaft way forward and, you know, you really can't do a whole lot of turning uh, with the shaft way forward. Uh, so basically they become what's an arm stroke. So, um, that would be kind of a side tilt, side tilt, right? So I'm going to, arms are going to accelerate straight back. My body's going to tilt forward. And then as I swing back with my arms, my body's going to tilt backwards. So there's a kind of a tilting action. So arms are really good at creating speed. Um, but the danger of when you're going, but it also, arms are really great in creating steep. And by steep, we're talking the, the club actually coming down really steep you know, coming down this plane really steep into the turf where um, if you were more rounded, if it was more of a big turning motion, you would, we'd call that shallow where the club is coming in really low to the ground. So steep would be kind of a V shape, a shallow would be much more of a U shape. Um, so the arms are really good at creating V shapes. Um, so if you need that long runner that needs to go all the way across the green, arms are great. It's a shot. I'm not saying don't ever use that, but that is a technique. But for most people, that's their technique. So now when I tell it's a player- their only you know, technique, right? Their I mean, only technique. So. Yeah, and, that, and that's where I was for years and years. That's where I was, and I was a terrible chipper. And, yeah. and I, I, to me, as a coach, my favorite question is, uh, I always ask two. I always say, if you were to, you know, if it's a junior player, a member, a, a tour player, what chip shot would you want to win? Let's say it was a tour player came to see me. What chip shot would you want to win the U.S. Open? And they'll, you know, basically whatever they tell me, I know kind of what they're designed to do. They tell me I need a lot of green. I like it, you know, on the fringe. You know, I'm like, oh, God, you got a big arms emotion. Or if, and then I'll always ask them, what's the one shot, you know, to win your members' members, uh, what was the one shot you would not want? Oh, I don't want high soft, I, you know. And again, so those <laughs> two questions tell me everything I need to know about your technique. If you're telling me you like a, run it a lot and you hate high soft, that tells me you don't know how to – um, create a shallower, softer motion. Um, so it, you know, it, that's my question to anybody listening right now. If you're going to win, you know, your 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 five dollar Nassau bet with your buddies today, uh, what what chip would you want and which chip would you not? I think it give me it would immediately kind of clarify where you stand. So, and then from that, it's just you know, truly to me, the the chipping motion is it's hands and chest. You know, it's torso being able to turn. Nobody turns enough in chipping. Uh, 
from tour players. Now, there's some that are phenomenal, but you can see a lot of tour players that don't turn a ton. But definitely, as you start getting collegiate amateurs, uh, it becomes that armsy stroke. There's not a lot of turn. Turn gives you shallow. So a, a nice turning action will actually give you that shallowing out motion. And then uh, getting the club to stand up at impact. Um, so uh, kind of what Mark said is, you know, I, I get my shaft forward, my hands forward, so I take a Dragon. 40, a 56-degree wedge, and I completely put take 10 degrees off just because my hands are what so far forward. You know, and then what does that also do? Well, the face is actually going to open a little bit. Um, so now, now I got to open my stance because I got to get rid of, you know, so I'm, I'm adding, com I'm compounding the difficulty of my stroke by adding all these components where I'm, I'm much more, I like to see the ball, the club come in more neutral. If I'm hitting a 56 degree wedge, I'd like to see right around 52 to 56 degrees of launch. It's crazy. Well, it's interesting because I've, I've worked a lot of juniors where we'll do some assessments um, and I'm just doing putting, but we'll do short game assessments and make them go putt out um, just to kind of see where they're at. And we'll go in the collar, chipping to a hole 30 feet away, and they'll pull out 60-degree wedges and jam the handle way forward down to 50 degrees and then chip with a 60. I'm like, do you always use that club? They're like, yeah, I always use my 60. And it, it, it just – it was mind-blowing to me. It was like every shot just default was a 60-degree 60, 60 wedge but leaned way, way forward, and their proximities were terrible. Like, couldn't yeah. hit it with it. Couldn't, couldn't control the trajectory. Couldn't control the spin. And they're so, bad putters. And, the, and they tell you they're bad, they're bad putters because they can't get up and down. Right, right, right. So, so I, I definitely think there's a, a serious lack of training for juniors with really understanding to do what, what you're talking about. How do I hit different shots around the green? How do I handle different lies? Um, how do I use the bounce? How do I not just, just – forward press and drag the handle through the ball um I, I i don't see a lot of um i i don't see any hardly juniors who can really kind of work the ball like you would you would kind of want them to to actually get good at their greenside wedges is that, is that something you've seen also yeah I, well you know like like phil mickelson says it, it's sexy to hit bombs right off the tee box it's sexy to hit bombs so everybody practices that everyone in practice approach shots because the range and whatnot and and then the next tier is it's 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 cool to make putts. So a lot of people putt. Um, not a lot of people chip. And I think there's a lot of reasons. One is players not very good at it. I don't think there's many good coaches across the country. Like, you know, I always say it's hard to be good at everything. Like I, I don't teach full swing anymore. I, I quit full swing about a decade ago. Um, so I don't ever teach full swing. People ask me to look at their full swing and I'm like, hmm. Not doing it. Sorry, you're not suckering. Not into doing this one. it. <laughs> I, I've I've gone into short game and putting. So I think a lot of it is, you know, most coaches. It's not they don't. You know, it's supply and demand. I hate to say this capitalism, right? Not many people ask for short game. Not many coaches aren't going to invest their time to become a good short game coach because where they're going to make their most money is on the range and and teaching them to hit the ball better. Where me, I'm I'm counterintuitive i'm like let me go to the most niche part of golf and let me try to make a career out of it yay yeah that's where <laughs> both of us screwed up right i mean there's a reason why there's not many putting coaches and shortcut coaches because there's no money in it <laughs> exactly we're brilliant we're you're so not making smart. you're not making percentages off guys making millions and millions of dollars every year at least i mean maybe some are but in general you're not it's pretty hard to survive out there in well, a niche some people obviously do but there's not room for you know, there's how many how many PGA guys are in the U.S. Thirty thousand, roughly. Yeah. Right, and all of them do full swing, and then you go down to who who exclusively does putting, and that number gets real small, real fast. No, it's about and nine. Then you go down to people who only do wedges, and that number goes to like uh, two. 
maybe two. Uh, yeah, I, I had to keep doing putting stuff because I, I would have never made it. A, my kids would have never eaten off of just a short game uh, lessons. Yeah, um, you get, now they get soup with like grass in it because you're putting. <laughs> I, I'd actually have a little boiler out by the putting green and the chipping green. I'd actually just take snippets right. of, the, of the mowing for the day and be like, here's my, <laughs> here's my soup for today. No, uh, nah, we are way off track right now. Um, yeah, my fault. My fault. <laughs> um, no. It, so yeah, I, I think there's a big disconnect. Just, um, I don't think most people know what, a, I think it goes back to expectations. I don't think a lot of people know what it takes to be a good short game player. Um, you know, like I said, the beauty of Game Forge is we give you the numbers. At this level, you need to be this. So, like I said, at, at a, you know, four to seven over player, we're looking at about, you know, roughly 35 to 40% P6 scramble number. So, you know, again, it goes back to our, our model of evaluate it. Can I, can I hit four out of 10 shots inside of the zone? If I can, that's, I'm doing what I'm supposed to at this level. To reach my next level, I got to do more and more. But if I'm not doing that, why why can't i and again so i think it, it's i think a lot of players don't understand um i just i've been fortunate to work with another player during covid um she's a professional player uh we put her through a bunch of tests what she thought her game was and what it is now is different um we put her through short game and she really found some glaring holes where she's like i've got to address this um and to this player's credit she's worked really really hard and we just did the numbers with her yesterday, and she's up to about 75% P6, which is just ridiculous. And then her scrambling number is that, – That is an insanely good number. Yeah, it, it's just stupid like good. Properly, so it, like insanely good. Properly changed. It went from – Properly. It went from the 35 to 40 range up to about 75. And to her credit, she's worked really hard. But a lot of that was just kind of stripping back what she thought was a short game, building it adding some new motion pieces to get it a little bit better, but really just challenging her with expectations. Um, all my players, I challenge with expectations. If you can meet these expectations, well, then now we're ready to take this game to your next level. And, and that's kind of what GameForge always talks about, moving to the next level. So I think, again, one, yeah, it's not, it's not a lot of really great coaches out there. I get calls from all over the country saying, do you have someone to refer me to for short game? Hard to come up with somebody, isn't it? It's there's some states I can kind of pull it off, but uh, there's not many, so it gets kind of a challenge that way. And then again, like I said, just trying to break down a lot of the misinformation. You know, like you talked about balance, I, I never use balance. Well, you lean you lean that shaft handle more than four or five degrees forward, there ain't no bounce left on that golf club. You know, it's right. nothing but a leading edge. So you know, again, under you know, what is balance and how to use it? Well. If you manipulate the club with a lot of forward press, it doesn't matter how much bounce you have. You just eliminated it. Yeah, you're leading edge everything there. Yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> well, the P6 number, you know, we came up with a P6 number, um, which is fascinating because a lot of the numbers we've come up with GameForge turned out to be kind of our 50% number, we'll call it, where 50% of things happen. Like P6 is at a high level is about 50%. Um Number of birdies from blackjacks is about 50%. Um, you know, 20 feet in greens regulation are about 50% of all greens regulation. And the and you, you never really heard, or I never really heard of anybody talking about that six-foot number ahead of time. You know, everybody's, like you always say, everybody's talking about three-foot number. And I'm just going to go through a couple little um, stats here to give people an idea. You know, P6, you know, if you're chipping from the fringe, your P6 should be, you know, if you're up to 10 yards out, fringy, little easy chips. P6 on tour is 
right? So every, every, everything's inside six feet, basically. Um, even if they go out to 20 or 30 yards, they're still hitting almost 60% inside six feet. Um, but now what we'll change our light condition, we'll go to the rough. Um, from the rough from 10 to 20 yards, they're about 50% inside uh, six feet. Now, that number, and it goes down to about 30% if you go out to 20 to 30 yards. But if you don't think that's tough, go out and drop your ball in the rough 15 or 20 yards from the pin and see how many you can hit in a six-foot uh, radius. It is not easy. Like left to right looks like a big gap, but the long short looks like nothing. You know, and I don't think people appreciate, I think, you know, what you've always said, Brian, is people put too much pressure on that three-foot circle, which only happens with real easy close chips. And it doesn't happen from the bunker and it doesn't happen from the rough and it doesn't happen outside, you know, 10, 15 yards. Um, but I don't see anybody training that really. I don't see anybody training with a real, except for, you know, a lot of game forge players and coaches do it where they put a six foot diameter ring around and say, let's go hit shots from everywhere and count up how many have to be in there. Um, do you think it's hurt training? Do you think it's hurt people trying to put too tight of an emphasis on that three foot circle we always hear about that the barrel size circle or whatever? It would have, it, it has to, cause you just can't do it. So, you know, the, the most frustrating thing about being a junior, being a collegian, uh, is, and this is kind of what drove us into Game Forge, was we were driving them with numbers of what the best in the world do. So when I was coaching, we could go find professional stats, but we couldn't find collegian stats. So, so what I'm going to do is now I'm going to give them uh, goals or expectations that not even it, the best of the best can accomplish, right? You know, so right. I so can take the best in the world, the the and club, they can't. Basically. They can't do this. And now I'm going to take a person that has less, maybe less skills, uh, less experience, and now I'm going to give them a circle that's smaller than it should be, and saying, "Okay, now go." And you can't leave the putting green until you hit ten shots within three feet. I did it. Guilty. Bad, guilty, <laughs> guilty, bad. But how many people was, do you make cry? You know, well, not on the green, but that, I'm sure they had a couple choice words for me when they left the green. Right, right. So, but again, that's what I knew at the time, and you know. So I think, again, when you start setting expectations that are unachievable, uh, it's a negative effect. One, it's a negative mentally. They're just, I can't do it. I suck. So might maybe I have them shut down. Or, you know, and again, nobody likes to see failure time after time. Like, I like to challenge. I like to put pressure on players. But they've got to be able to succeed and, and bust through that. But, you know, again, I can't give them something that's so difficult that there's zero chance of them ever succeeding because it's, it's counterintuitive. Right. And, you, and you can't really do that without the numbers. Yeah. Because there's, the so many, there's so many scenarios. And, you know, what's reasonable, you know, chipping from the fringe is completely in, unreasonable 20 yards in a bunker, completely unreasonable. And, um, you know, and, and I, and I see the same issue with some of the strokes gain stats out there for amateurs or there some of these systems compare uh, an amateur or college player against tour players and they just get slaughtered on the strokes gain. They're just not even because it's just too high of a level for them. And so they're always negative. And we, we've seen the players who come, they're like, I'm always negative strokes gain putting no matter what I do, I'm negative. And they just don't want to look at it anymore because they just can't have any success when the metric is wrong. So it's super important that we do the right metric. And we super important that we understand, you know, when we're talking our P6s, you know, it goes from about 20% with a, you know, mid to higher handicap. And it only goes down to about 50, 55% at the tour level. 
like the entire range is kind of like 20 to 60%. 60% would be out of this world good P6s, like out of this yep. world good. Um, and so, but that has to keep getting better. If you want to get better at short game, if you want to keep progressing, that number has to get better, number one. And then number two, then scrambling starts to overtake P6, which means you've got to start getting better at making putts outside six feet so that you can keep your scrambling number up. Right. And, and I've, again, I, I, I view short game and putting kind of like they're, they're kind of sisters with each other. Uh, full game, like if you look at juniors and you look at collegians, they, they get these skills really fast and really, really good out the gate. So high-end juniors are hitting it as well as the, some of the best collegians. And what we've come to find out is, is the best collegians are hitting it is really almost as good as the touring pros. So that, that ball striking piece really runs and takes off. And there's a, definitely a, a, a growth cycle of from junior to collegiate, collegiate to tour on putting, but you also see that inside a short game. And again, maybe some of that's coaching because of, you know, the way people train growing up, um, who knows, we're, we game forge are going to solve it. We hope uh, one day, but yeah. what's that gap and how can we, we close that? So I always joke with Moneyball with, when I talk with a lot of college players and a lot of college coaches, how can I separate? Well, if you're hitting eight in positions per round, there's not a lot of growth there. You're not, you're not going to get higher than that. You're not going to get really, to tank consistently. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so we're not really from that point, you know, I'm not going to close the gap on the other players in the country or separate myself by hitting it better. So where is it now it's putting and now it's short game. I think a lot of collegiate coaches are, are comfortable with putting. They'll, they'll bring in, you know, aim point, they'll bring in fitters and find a way to get putting better. So I start to see growth collegiately in putting. But again, I, that, that soft spot is short game, you know, and uh, I think a lot of times too, if you're not very good at short game, you tend to t be a little more conservative with ball striking. So right. I'm and, willing you know, the, the other thing is, is when your ball striking is really good and you're hitting 13, 14 greens, it, it almost takes the pressure off them having to go pound on their short game. Cause I've only got six part, you know, six scrambling shots around, you know, versus a high handicap who's got, 10 or 12 scrambling shots around. So I think it, it kind of masks the problem because, you know, you know as well as I do, it's surprising how many tour players, competitive players have a very average short game at best because they ball strike so well. But if you really assess them and really put them in tough situations, they're, they're not as good as you would think. Quite a few, quite a few of them, right? Yeah, and, and really where you see that inside of Game Forge, which is fascinating, you'll start to see their EGs getting bigger. They won't get more IP. So our IPs might be average, maybe a hair below. Um, but you don't see the, the IP. You start to see greens being a big number, and you start to see EGs growing, and even some out of position. So what that tells me is they're afraid to attack a pin because if I miss this pin, I'm going to be off the green. And if I'm off the green, ah, you know, that's probably bogey. So, um, again, working with a, with a player – we kind of looked at this and I've actually worked with two LPGA players on this where we actually looked at, and I actually told them I'd rather you hit less greens <laughs> and be more aggressive. There's a, there's a controversial <laughs> statement. <laughs> yeah, and it, I said, I would rather you be more aggressive trying to pick up some more impositions and get rid of the EGs that you're being safe with because their short games are good enough that it's not going to hurt them. So one player was averaging, you know, right around 55% P6, which is as good as you can really ask. So I'm like, why are you hitting away from pins and putting yourself in long putts? Let's be aggressive and actually, it's okay to chip. 
Like you're really proficient at it. So uh, it was really fascinating. And to, to her credit, she did it in the last year and her actually scoring average got better because she picked up more in positions because she was a little more aggressive attacking pins. Um, well, well, and ultimately the, that IP number is the important number. And, and we've seen players who had high greens and very, very low IPs because they were just hitting the middle of the green all day long and they couldn't break par. Yeah, so, so a deficiency on short game can really can be hidden by hitting lots of greens. But what it, that but you shine away from short game, shine away from a pin, can increase greens, but it can actually hurt the game overall because, again, if you're picking up more EGs, you know, you're, you're hoping to break even. Um, but, again, if yeah, I can say – At a college level, you're losing shots if you're out in the EG range because you're going to three-putt more than you're going to one-putt, right? Very much so. So, I, you know, I think that's kind of a strategy component. And, and, again, I think that goes back to even the par five scoring, right? If you want to be a good par five scorer – you've got to be able to get it inside of 30 yards. But then once you get inside of 30 yards, you got to be proficient enough to hit it eight feet and in, ideally, to, to kind of have that kick in birdie putt. So uh, the beauty of short game is it's it's got tentacles everywhere, um, kind of like total putts. It, it's got – it's touching a lot of pieces. And for some reason, it's a, it's a zone that most people don't ever really uh, train adequately or understand what, what's expected. And then, like I said, when the player – you know, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm gifted. I work with really high-end players. When you change these expectations and tell them what they need to do, it's amazing how fast they figure it out. You know, you know, we, we've shown graphs where tour players had these huge gaps at certain distances. Like, you don't think I couldn't go to tour player X and say, from 40 to 50 yards, you're not very good. Let's figure this out. And you don't think they're not going to figure that out within a couple of days. Like, but again, they're smart enough to say, hey, I'm just not dealing with it. I don't, I'm never there. It's not an option. Who cares? So, you know, the, the concept is, and I think, again, understanding what you do, where you are, and what your expectations are, and what, again, looking at what you do to get better, and I think that's where GameForge really separates from any other training program. It shows you what you have to do to become the best you, and not for you to become this many better in, in, a, in, a, in a math formula compared to the best players in the world. Yeah, and, and we know there's multiple ways to get there. I mean, there's, there's, there's not one path to get to a, a tour level. There are some kind of non-negotiables or some minimum standards you have to beat, but you can always trade off one relative weakness with another relative strength. But if, if your relative strength is ball striking and you're hitting eight IPs around, you're right. You, you, there's no more room on that. You're not going to get any better. You have to look elsewhere. You've got to go to your putting in short game. It's just, you know, you can be – better or worse at one or the other, but, but you're not going to get any more out of the ball striking. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Mark, Mark talks about this all the time too. Like as you progress, like a collegian can have a big issue. Like most collegians leave college golf and they're not very good short game players. Their putting's probably gotten better. Short game could be kind of their weak point. And I know Mark and I have both had conversations with players saying, you're not going to survive on tour with these numbers. Like you're just not going to make it. So you as a player have an option, right? You well, I guess ideally you could become the best ball striker on, that's ever walked the earth and average, you know, ten in positions. Sixteen greens. Yeah, Sixteen <laughs> greens, ten in positions, and a bit rate. So you're making six birdies because you convert it at sixty percent, and you never have to chip. I'll or, tell you right now, if you if you had sixteen greens to thirty feet, you're not going to break par. No, I guarantee you that. You're going to three putt a couple of those, and then you're gonna you're gonna make a bogey when you miss the green. So yeah. that's right. Good luck with that, right? Um, but. But, that, but the concept is, again, you've got to understand, as, as your level of golf gets better, 
you know, that, that margin, that wiggle room to be able to pull off different scores really starts to clamp down. You know, I can't have a huge deficiency. And that's what we see in the tour. You know, when the tour really averages over 50% P6, or, you know, they're up in the 48 to 58, somewhere in that ballpark, that's their P6 number because they're not giving away shots. And, and these guys are averaging on tour 12, 13 greens. So they're still missing greens, but they're avoiding bogey because they're actually scrambling really well. Now, some of them do it, maybe not with proximities as well, but they might be just superb putters. You know, we always say P6 is the first zone. The next zone is roughly 7 to 12 feet. So, you know, I, I would say that's a, for kind of a mid-handicapper to collegiate to tour player. Where should, I, where should I practice putting for short game? Zero and six, the most important. That's your P6 number. But that seven to 12 foot zone is really important because that's, you know, you're making that, you had that really difficult chip from the rough. You know, you could only roll it out to, you know, nine, 10 feet. Now, now I got to save far from there. So that's that next zone. But again, there's some tour guys that are phenomenal at converting that. Uh, yeah. We don't really ever see that collegially or through the juniors. You know, once again, that P6 number drives scrambling. But again, there's your separation. So if you're a tour player listening to this, what's that separation? I've got to start. I've got to convert 80, 85% of my shot six feet and in. But I've got to start picking up one or two putts per tournament. It's only one or two putts per tournament between that seven and 12 foot round or a distance that's actually going to move my scrambling up over 60%. Yeah, hard to survive out there below 60% scrambling because uh, you got to average under par. If you're missing four greens and uh, scrambling at 50%, you're giving up two, two bogeys right off the bat. And that's good. I mean, that's good golf, only two bogeys. But the minute that scrambling drops to 40%, now it's three bogeys. Now you're going to – now you got to make four birdies or more. And suddenly it's going to be a little bit of a tall order it starts to do that all the time starts getting a little more difficult three and a half birdies seem really really easy on tour uh four gets really really challenging it's amazing what one half bogey does um and i i think the neat part too is when you really dive in the numbers a lot of times for a lot of players over four rounds it's give me can you give me one putt every two rounds more outside of p6 that will completely change your scrambling like that, yeah. that'll just change everything you do. And when you put it in that perspective as a player and as a coach, oh, I only got to pick up one. I can do that, right? It's one. But if I go in there and go, you need to pick up, you know, 0.3 strokes gained or you need to, you know, if you, if you don't know the expectation and you're talking generality or it's just say like every other golf owner, I just need to be better. Well, what is that number? Like what and am I trying mean? to what is it? What you're is it? Your your negative strokes gained. Okay. What does that mean? Like, what is that? Where? Like, what do I go work on the range? Well, your short game. Okay, but like, what do I do when I go out there? You know. I just, I just had that. I, I just did my first post COVID. I guess. Well, I guess we're still in COVID, but opening in Virginia. That's how far first, north you are. I did my first lesson. Yeah, sorry. I just did my first lesson. It was a referral by Mark Sweeney. So I hate him for getting me out of my basement. Um, um, but but the same thing, I said, hey, I want to see your player's stats before we start. And they sent me, you know, beautiful printout of strokes game, whatnot. And, and I looked at the player and I said, you know, from zero to five, zero to eight feet for birdie, what should you make here? And they were just like, hmm. I was like, all right, nine to 20 feet. What should you be making? 50%? Hard to be actionable with that, right? It, it is. But again, I guess it also provides protection. You know, my favorite Yogi Bear quote, right? If you don't know where you're going, you'll never get there. 
Right. So, you know, I can't judge myself if I don't know if I'm failing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a, it still surprises me how many competitive golfers don't keep decent stats, even at the LPGA level. I mean, tour is great. PJ tour is great because they do it for you. They do all the work. But even if you go to Corn Ferry, the stats, you know, drops dramatically what they keep and not a whole lot. Very few keep additional stats. LPGA is very, very um, high level, top level, you know, fairways, greens, putts kind of, and that's yeah. about it. And, and, very few in the past, at least, of all the LPGA players I've worked with, and there's probably 40 or 50 of them, like maybe five kept stats on the side. Like maybe five. And I'm being generous by saying five. Well, I, I view it this way. I, you know, to me, at the LPGA, PGA, mini tour, even collegiately, if you're on a scholarship, you know, I look at you as this is your profession. And so, you're, so if you start thinking, I'm, I'm a business, I'm a corporation, I need to have analytics so I know if I'm doing things right. So that's like Google's not running analytics, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like Amazon not doing an, like every business on earth does it. Well, in golf, you're the, you're the CEO, you're the corporation. You better know what you're doing. Cause if you don't, you're going to end up making bad choices and you end up in some really, really goofy spots because you were chasing the wrong thing. So, yeah. yeah I mean, I, <laughs> when I, when I worked at Hewlett Packard back in the uh, mid nineties, I was in the controllership and so I worked for an R&D lab. We had about a $300 million budget. And I was, in, I was partially in charge of making sure they didn't blow their budget, right? And that was actually a small lab at, at HP. That was, not a, that was not a big budget, frankly. But what I learned is $300 million is just, you just put the decimal point in a different place. You know, whether it's $30 million or $3 million or $300 million, just change the decimal point and just go from there. But the point is, I did, we did analytics on absolutely everything because everything was accountable and I was dealing with all engineers and the engineers just wanted to make cool stuff, which I get. Like yeah. so all these engineers, there was about 300 engineers in my lab and they'd, they'd be like, we got this awesome new thing we want to build because it's cool. And, and so luckily my job is, was to go and collect the numbers and the sales, you know, sales uh, um, projections, do a pro forma. And it was it was a little scary how often I would go back to him and say, yeah, it's a cool idea. You will never, ever make a dollar on this. You're actually going to lose like $10 million under the best progression and the best, the best scenario. And their, their face would just drop and they'd be like, I hate you. <laughs> but, but I mean, that was, so they were good judge of characters. <laughs> that was 25 years ago. And, and you're right. Every business, you have to understand where am I, where, where do I need to be? And I need to measure my progress. Yeah. And, and I'm amazed. You're just, you're just floundering otherwise. I'm amazed. Well, you know, it, it's also too like, you know, even if you look at collegiate sports, like in the newspaper, well, who nobody reads the newspaper, but you can go read the, 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 the box scores at ESPN at every football game that happened every Saturday. And there is nowhere to hide when you're Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. We know every pass, every incompletion, every interception, what happened. Like you're judging that player. Well, collegiate golf, you have some safety, right? You know, there might yeah. be a blurb somewhere on your university's website in the lower corner and they just talk about the one player that played well and everyone else is kind of protected can you, so can you imagine, i think a lot of it, can you imagine taking a pro sport like baseball or basketball or football and the only stat you got was score at the end of the game yeah that's it that's it yeah. and maybe how many points per quarter how many points per inning and nothing else that's, that's right. how most golfers operate I got 71 and I made, you know, four birdies and three bogey and, and nothing else. It's like, 
Like it's incomprehensible if you think about pro sports, every other pro sport, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I think golf is, I think golf's gotten better. I think it's getting there. It I, is. I it's think definitely it's getting better. And the, the, and the tour's done a lot with ShotLink to help yeah, that. Yeah, ShotLink was. The other tours need to catch up a little bit. Yeah, ShotLink was the big change. That was the, again, that did everything for them. And then, uh, again, we got a little off topic there. Uh, so, yeah, so my, fault, my fault again. My no bad. problem. So, so we've gone from high handicappers averaging, you know, basically 20% scramble P six number kind of ha- hanging together. The mid handicappers are getting in the thirties, the collegians getting in the forties, good amateur. And then, you know, the tour player, we kind of talked about getting up to about 55%. What does it take to actually win? What does that scrambling number really look like, Mark? Do you know? Oh yeah. Well, scrambling. I mean, if you look at winter scrambling, it's always about 75%. Yeah. It's hard to win if you're not at 75% scrambling because you need to, you need to, so it's very easy math, right? Winners are missing four greens. They only make one bogey. So what's that? That's 75% yeah. up and down scrambling, right? And that's that you got to do that to win. No, but I, other than maybe a U.S. Open or something, you're not winning at 50%. You're dead even, even in the field. You've got to, you've just got to not give back so many shots. And so it's very, very reliable number that 75% is your goal. And so when I train, when I do assessments, we always try to train to a 75% scrambling goal. So I'll get four balls, throw them around, around the green, different lies, have them pitch or chip up. And the goal is they got to get up and down three out of four. Yeah. That's, our, that's, our, that's our target. That's where we'd like to be. And that, and that P6 number would be in the 60s. So that kind of gives you that concept, again, how good they are. So, yeah. so to win, that all you know, the, the most fascinating point, it doesn't matter what level you're playing at, to win – all the pieces are moving the right direction a really, really long, far away, usually off your, your average. For four so, days. For four days. Not just so, for one day or two days or even maybe. three. You can have four one days. day that just – but for four days, you've got just everything's working in the right direction. Well, it also shows why you, you rarely see back-to-back wins because now you're talking about doing that for eight rounds consecutively, and it's so rare to have somebody do that eight rounds consecutively. Like, it's unbelievably yeah. rare. And again, what what I can't remember. You you ran a thing. How how many of the actual PGA Tour actually wins? What was that stat you gave uh, me? Oh, I think it was ten percent. Ten percent of all everybody who ever starts in the PGA in their career. I think it's about ten percent win. Win and only like one or two percent of that ten percent actually win multiple times in their career. It was something staggering. Like it's, it, yeah, it's, it's ninety percent of all tour players never win a than that yeah we you know so that's, and that's going back like 20 years yeah, <laughs> like it doesn't matter <laughs> I, I just remember when you told me that when the win, i was like oh my god my mind just blew up but again to to win everything has to be just ridiculous you know so you know here i'm looking at if you wanted to win you know you'd be looking at you know basically nine ips you're looking at like 14 and a half 15 greens um, you're looking at blackjack conversions at 90 percent ip conversion well over 40 like everything is just left of what's average and that's what it takes to win. And I think, you know, this is something we kind of talk about when I talk with players, cause they say, well, I saw Patrick Reed at the, uh, you know, at, at the down in Mexico and he got up and down from everywhere and I expect to be 80% up and down. I'm like, that was Patrick being as good as Patrick can be at a, in a very small block of a window. And that's just what it was. So I call that kind of the weekend, the weekend, uh, destroyer of players you see the you know highlights the, the highlight film is the destroyer. Yeah, you, golf channels are great right <laughs> what do we know on, on saturday and sunday only nobody watches golf thursday or friday i don't saturday sunday maybe i did so, with aim point because we were on air every thursday and friday so i watched a lot of a lot a lot of players go through 
we'd be on three holes and I watch every player on all three holes. And if you sit there and watch every player in a tour event, you'll be amazed how many short putts they miss, how many 10 footers they miss, how many bad chips they have. Like the yeah. highlight film does not show you the average. It shows you the outliers. That's right. So on the weekend, what do they do? We got three guys in contention, three ladies in contention, right? So we're all we're playing the best. All we're already playing the best. <laughs> might be playing the best of their career because only 10% ever win. So they're playing at least the top 10% they can play. So they're playing as good as they can play. The three of them are out. They're battling it out. And then they're on hole seven. And what does the tower always do? Let's go to hole 16. What do you think just happened? He just made a bomb. He just, did <laughs> a that, just went in. <laughs> he just did something that shouldn't happen. So my perception of what these <laughs> players are actually doing are I'm watching three players playing as good as they can play maybe in their entire life. And then the only time they break out of these three players that are playing the best of their entire life is other people doing extraordinary things. Yeah. <laughs> and then me as a the viewer. The one extraordinary think, thing they did in four days. <laughs> and that's why, I, like I said, that's why I get the quote like, from nine to 20 feet if i drop 10 balls how many should you make seven okay <laughs> <laughs> we would love that go for it <laughs> i was like if you do can i be your putting coach and i only want one percent right <laughs> right gonna, i'm gonna be rich <laughs> and you have to play 30 events a year please <laughs> yes i'm gonna be rich right but, right <laughs> but again i think there's that miscon and i think again that's a lot of short game it's just a misunderstanding of what's expected and what you need to do um so i think again the progression is like i said it's a lot like putting like those numbers your scramble number your p6 number has to keep growing like to me p6 conversion doesn't really come really important until you start to become you know a single handed capper or you're you're averaging five you know five over somewhere in that now the p6 conversion really becomes a really really big piece of that but again that p6 number and scrambling kind of marry all the way up until a low handy, you know, low average player. And then once they become, and then we get that separation. So like I said, you know, professionally, they're getting up and down 65 to 70% of the time. Uh, and a lot of that's done, but with their P6 being around 50 to 55. So they're overproducing their, their putting better. So there's that kind of that, that maturation change too. Once you be, basically, once you hit the even mark, your scrambling has to, you know, again, the math says that your scrambling has to be higher um, for you to be able to suck those last couple bogeys out. So that you can't have four bogeys, four birdies. We've got to start sucking those bogeys out of the system and, and give you that chance to be under par. Um, so that's kind of the, the nature of the growth inside. We talk about it in putting. Bit percentage is getting better. Your conversion rate is getting better. Short game is the same way. That P6 number is the first most important thing. And this is kind of like ball striking in position. So P6 is in positions is the equivalent of in positions. P6 is an opportunity now for me to save par. If I can hit it six feet and in, I have an 80, 85% chance of saving par. That, so to me, that's why the P6 number is really important. How, how often can I hit it six feet and in? That's my, that, that rivals my IP. And then my conversion rate is six feet and in. So if I can hit 50% in position, or 60%, you know, 50% in position, and I get up and down 80% of the time, most of my pars come from my par saves come from there. And then, like I said, then I only got to drain one putt every once in a while to get that scrambling number up a little bit higher. All right. Yeah, so. my final thought, just thinking about all this is, you know, very few of the courses that I belong to in my life had a, a short game area that was dedicated to wedges, you know, wedge greens. Um, and I think about, you know, the course I taught at last year, there was great putting green and you could technically chip and pitch around it. But the problem is, you know, it was a hotel semi-resort course 
And if there were people putting on the putting green, nobody would want to go hit pitches and chips because they'd be slinging bullets past your head, which happened to me more than once. Trust me. So it really discouraged people from practicing, you know, around the green with their wedges. Um, and so I think that's, that's a problem in a lot of places, you know, a lot of, you know, good courses, good clubs, they'll have a short game facility, but I'd say the majority of clubs I've ever practiced in my life didn't really have a green, a dedicated area to, uh, to wedges. And I think that's also holding people back. No, I'd agree with that. Cause you'll, you'll see that a lot. Like they'll have the putting only green, they'll have the range and then they'll have this little thing in Crappy. the corner. <laughs> little they don't little, know it little, little postage stand that's tilted way too much that's yeah not... and it just sits over there in the corner and they're like that's and, a and they don't mow them it's that's like right. they don't want divots right so they don't they don't roll like a real green they're like velcro right. so you think you're better than you are so you're you're like you're hitting in my yard you know it's right, really right. an equivalent to that so no I, I i agree the facility i'm i'm spoiled here in charlottesville um university of virginia i coached here for a long time and they still let me come out and teach and use the facilities out there so I'm spoiled to having like a, I have like the Taj Mahal of, of short game facilities. Um, so, but again, I, I agree with you. I think the, the ability to train is difficult, but I think what you can do is you can take that out on the golf course. There's tons of games inside of Game Forge where you drop balls throughout, keep scores, like depending on flow of the course. So don't slow down the field. Don't slow down all the other golfers to get your short game stuff in. But if it's a slow round and you're out there by yourself, or in the late afternoon and you have the ability, you can drop balls. Um, I think a lot of training you can do in your, at your house if you have a yard, uh, get some of the foam balls or some some uh, uh, wiffle balls. You can definitely hit shots and start to think that way. And the beauty of chipping in short game is you shouldn't be hitting much more than 10, 20 yards a lot of times. So yeah, uh, yeah. you don't need a huge amount of space to be able to practice. Um, now the danger is, is is hitting the, you know, the thin missile. The uh, my son just hit my car the other day, but, <laughs> but he was taking a full swing. We were about 70 yards. I have a little short game thing built in our yard, and he ripped it up over the short game area, and my cars are parked back behind it, and he hit my car. It's all good. He, he hit it really well. I was happy for him. Um, yeah, I've, I've busted out my own back window in my car. I was playing the par three in uh, San Jose, and uh, I, I hooked this tee shot into the parking lot, and there's probably 100 cars in the parking lot. I hit this high eight iron, hooked it in the parking lot, heard a smash, went out to the parking lot. I was like, oh, my God, whose car did I hit? It was my own back window I blew out. Literally, I have 100 cars. My, my back window was just shattered and gone. And my roommate I was playing with almost died laughing. But what are the odds of that? That's karma. There's, there's no, karma. No, the it. funny part is you actually hit another car. Someone hit your windshield early, but you thought it was you. <laughs> with a hammer. <laughs> you could justify that was me, so you felt good about it. <laughs> right. <that. laughs> Um, no, but no, um, again, I think just understand, you know, I guess kind of wrapping this up, my thoughts are just, again, you, you've got to understand where you are, what your expectations at this level, you know, I'm not Phil Mickelson right now. I'm not Tiger Woods right now, but my goal in four years is, is to be able to play there with them. I'm a collegiate coming in after four years. My goal is to get here. And now, now I have incremental change. How can I get there? And like I said, the, the learning model is simple. Assess, set up a game plan, reflect on it, assess again, and then keep moving that, keep moving that, that needle where you need to go. And if you're having trouble moving that needle, uh, you know, it's time for you to find help, whether that's another player, coach, or just coming up with a con or equipment or whatever that might be is helping you to get to that position. But 
to me, you know, if you understand where you are and where you're going and you need fixes, when you understand what that fix is, I can go to the right person to fix it. You know, I don't, you know, I always equate it to a doctor. You know, if I, if I'm having a heart, heart issues, I don't want to go see a podiatrist. Podiatrist is a doctor, but you know, I don't know if he's going to fix my heart. Uh, so again, I think the only way you know that is I need to track what I'm doing and be able to, you know, be able to isolate what that piece is, focus in on that piece that I'm missing and then go find help for that. And then for me as a coach, if I have a player coming to me going, I can't do this and here's what my issue is, man, that makes my job as a coach a lot easier because now we can dive in what's that piece yeah, instead, much of me, easier. instead of me mucking around for a couple of lessons trying to figure out what those pieces are. And yeah, go hit some shots. Let me just watch you. <laughs> Which is good for my pocketbook, but really bad for your pocketbook as a <laughs> right, player. Right. <laughs> so be more efficient coming into the lesson. It'll be more efficient for you. And, oh, man. I'm really bad at this thing. Thanks. You just screwed us both on our salary this year. <laughs> I'm really bad at this. <laughs> um, well, we want to thank everybody. You're a terrible for... lawyer. <laughs> I would be. I'm too nice. Um, okay, you can have it. <laughs> um, we, we want to thank everyone for joining the hunt. Um, really cool. We found out the other day, I went on our kind of tracking. Of what, oh, oh, my God. We actually track people that listen to this. We keep stats. Uh, we had well over a hundred active listeners that have downloaded consistently inside the system. So our, 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 our in the hunt group is getting bigger and bigger, which is really impressive. Um, so thank you for spending time with us. Uh, everyone's busy and have things to do. Well, I guess under COVID, maybe we're not that busy, but you know, we all have lives, we all have engagements and things that we have to do. And you're actually carving a piece of your life to listen to us. We appreciate that. Um, keep sending us ideas. Like I said, the moving series was actually kind of an idea of two different people um, that sent me asking questions on how to move and can you make a basically a presentation on this or do an in the hunt on this so that's really driven by by you the listener so keep that feedback coming we appreciate everything that you do we appreciate you spending time to listen to these two clowns and uh thank you so much and mark you want to close it out for us no, you said everything beautifully there, much better than I would have. But, but yes, thank you, everybody. And we would love to hear your ideas more than we would like to hear our own ideas, frankly. So uh, we're not that smart. to reach out to us. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not that smart. All right, thank you so much. And uh, we look forward to bringing you more information here in the not-so-distant future.